What is going on, everyone, and welcome back to the Three Rivers Fancast. Uh, a lot I wanted to cover in this one. First and foremost, I wanted to talk about this big statement victory that the Pittsburgh Steelers had over the Cleveland Browns today. Absolutely just shocked. Boswell knocked out of the game early at the end of the first half with a concussion. Absolutely horrible, horrible play call. Horrible decision there by Tomlin. I don't know what he was thinking. I mean, we're talking about a guy that always, always, I mean, he's known for never taking a chance when you get that close to the end zone. You don't, I've never seen him try to perform a fake field goal in this particular situation. I mean, we're talking about a 3-3 game. The offense was not getting anything going early on in this game. Uh, Ben just wasn't in, in, in much rhythm early on. It was just hard to get any anything moving. And... You know, it, it just made all the sense in the world to just go ahead and take the the easy points there. Take the three, go into half, up a field goal. I mean, I don't know what it was. Tomlin calls a fake field goal, sets up a pass play for Boswell. Uh, it was just completely smothered. Uh, nobody was open from the moment Boswell gets the ball. Just completely gets uh, swarmed. All the routes are completely draped. Uh, Boswell, I don't know what he was doing. He was holding on to the ball for way too long. He probably should have just thrown it away. Well, definitely should have just thrown it away the moment that he saw that there was nothing there. Just eat it. You can't risk taking a hit there as a kicker. Uh, when you're the only kicker on the roster. But, nevertheless, he holds on to it. He's was trying to extend the play, see if someone can squeeze open. Uh, he thought he was Patrick Mahomes or something. I don't know. Um, finally does get the ball away. And then about... Two or three seconds after he gets the ball away, just gets an absolute cheap shot of a hit. Uh, helmet right under the chin strap. I mean, it was about one of the most obvious and blatant calls for targeting. Calls for the helmet-to-helmet contact of unnecessary roughness. That I've ever seen. Uh, especially this year. Watching football. I mean they call it on other plays. That really don't make any sense. Where the defender really can't do anything about it. And then when he. When the defender is literally trying. To hurt the kicker. And is literally trying to kick him. To knock him out of the game. 
when it's as obvious and as blatant as it gets, he lowers the crown of his helmet and launches directly towards Boswell's head. Launches upward towards his head. And we're talking, it was probably three seconds after Boswell lets this ball go. Plus, he's practically out of bounds. He might, I think he was out of bounds once he got hit. And, I don't know. It's just the most obvious roughing the passer that should have been thrown. And it wasn't thrown. And I was just absolutely in shock. Still am in shock. I mean, it was so much obvious of a missed call that Gene Steratore even tweeted it out as it happened. Like, oh yeah, the refs missed this call. Like, I thought that this definitely should have been thrown. It's like, you know that it's bad when even freaking Gene Steratore is agreeing with you. I mean, and he'll side with the refs any chance he can get. It doesn't matter how questionable it is. I've seen on many accounts plenty of questionable, horrible calls with the refs that Gene Steratore has still sided with the refs. Still sided with the refs. And in this one, I mean, it, it, it doesn't get more blatant than that. The refs were giving the Browns several opportunities to stay in this game. We're able to keep them hanging around, keep them in the game on several different occasions. Uh, ben got hit late, later on in the game, threw the ball. Uh, Brown's player landed on him with all of his body weight, a defensive lineman. Just got crushed. Looks like his arm got crushed on the play. Um, originally, a flag was thrown for roughing the passer. The refs pick it up after discussion and say that, that there was there was no flag there. Uh, which just doesn't make any sense to me because we all know that if that was Baker Mayfield or Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers, or frankly any other quarterback in the NFL... That flag doesn't get picked up there. And we see this time and time again. Because Big Ben is a big-bodied QB who we all know can take the hits, albeit he's 39 years old, and he can't take that many more. He doesn't get the same respect from the officials that a Tom Brady gets, that an Aaron Rodgers gets, that a Baker Mayfield gets. All because he's big. All because he's bigger, and that supposedly negates the fact that he's being roughed. That there is roughing the passer. Apparently that doesn't matter because he's freaking five, And should just be able to take the hits. But, Baker Mayfield, later on in the game, on the biggest drive of the entire game for Cleveland... On an incomplete pass that was going to lead to third and long. I believe it would have been third and 12. With, with Cleveland in field goal range. Or they might have been just outside of field goal range actually. So they may have been forced to punt the ball here. 
Baker sails the ball about 10 to 15 yards over the receiver's head. And somehow the refs think Alex Highsmith is roughing the passer when he practically lays Baker down. And it was literally right as he's throwing the ball, he hits Baker. Right as he's releasing the ball, Alex Highsmith comes in. It's a bang-bang play. There's nothing. What is Alex Highsmith supposed to do there? He can't stop his momentum when he's right about to get sacked and Baker just barely gets the ball out because he's scared of the contact. Barely gets it out in time. He's getting hit practically right as Baker's releasing the ball. Maybe you, you might think maybe that's why the ball sails 10 yards beyond the wide receiver's head is because Baker Mayfield is literally getting hit as he throws the ball. But somehow getting hit as you throw the ball can lead to a roughing the passer penalty, even though there's no helmet-to-helmet contact. There's no uh, landing on the quarterback with all of your body weight. There's none of that. It was just a normal tackle, but because Baker Mayfield is a little midget and weighs like 150 pounds, it's somehow now roughing the passer. So it goes back to my point that I was just making. Uh, Any other QB in the league gets hit. It's rough in the passer. Doesn't matter how he's tackled. Big Ben can get absolutely mauled. And there's never any flag. I mean, I don't don't remember seeing a roughing the passer called on Big Ben in recent years like ever. It just doesn't happen. He doesn't get those calls because he's big. And he somehow is just supposed to man up and take those hits at 39 years old. And Big Ben doesn't even cry about it like every other QB in the league does, whether they get their call or not. He just keeps playing. And that's what he did in this one. He just kept going. He said, screw these refs. I don't need you. I don't need your help. I'm going to do this by my damn self. He did his job. 22 of 34, 266 yards, and a touchdown. A crazy touchdown at that. Pat Fryermuth, just an absolutely insane catch. Might be the catch of the year was getting absolutely draped on the play. Great, great coverage. Still manages to come down with it. He tips his own pass. As he's getting tackled to the ground, is able to haul it in from midair, somehow tap both feet, barely in bounds, before he comes down. And this was on fourth and goal from the one, mind you, on the the biggest play of the game. Steelers don't get that fourth down and goal. They do not win this game. Pat Fryermuth is clutch. He came up huge. Eric Ebron, you're done. Get out of here. I'm sending you the McDonald's application immediately. 
It was nice knowing you, but you can't catch the ball. I don't want to hear anything from you. I don't want to hear any complaints about the decrease in snaps that you're getting. You couldn't catch the ball all damn year last year, and you still can't do it this year. You can't hang with the big dogs. We're moving on from you. Pat Fryermuth is the next is the next Heath Miller. Mark my words. You're done, Eric. You can't block and you can't catch. We don't need you. It was nice having you. You had a couple good moments. I'm not going to act like it was all bad, but it was mostly bad. So, there's that. You're a bum. Pat Fryermuth, as a rookie, is just worlds better than you by just all kinds of, all kind, on all kinds of different levels. And that's all that I'm going to say about that. Um, on the other side of the ball, which is the real story, because the defense won us this game. I mean, they were outstanding. Steadily pressuring Baker Mayfield. Absolutely neutralized Nick Chubb. He was not a factor in this game. We did not let him ever enter takeover mode. We didn't let him run all over us. He had some big runs, but no dagger runs. No runs that could kill our defense too much. T.J. Watt played amazing, steady pressure the whole game. And then there was obviously the late fumble recovery on what could have been the go-ahead drive for the Cleveland Browns. Baker Mayfield got that gift of a roughing the passer call, as I mentioned earlier in the episode, that put them into field goal range. They were driving. They had all the help in the world from the refs on that drive. But it just didn't matter. Baker couldn't hit his targets. I mean, granted, some of his receivers weren't catching the ball. But nonetheless, there was a play. It was third down and three. They were inside the Steelers' 30, maybe 25-yard line. Uh, Baker scrambles for a first down. Gets it by about a hair. And is pushed out of bounds by Minka Fitzpatrick. All of Cleveland is crying for a penalty. Baker gets up does this huge fist pump and starts getting the crowd all amped up and is celebrating like he won the game while he's down by five still. Already acting like they went ahead and scored the touchdown. And wouldn't you know, you can't make this up on the very next play. He throws the ball to Jarvis Landry. He completes it. Joe Schobert, the former Brown. Joe Schobert, revenge game. He punches the ball free from Jarvis Landry. 
TJ Watt comes up with the huge, huge fumble recovery. And that might have been the play of the game. You guys let me know. Who had the bigger play? Was it Fryermuth with the fourth and goal touchdown? Or was it Joe Schobert punching the ball free from Jarvis Landry? I believe that was Jarvis's first fumble in at least the past two seasons. Or it might have been even longer than that. I don't know if he's fumbled the ball yet since he's been in Cleveland in his career. But Schobert in his revenge game against his former team comes up big once it matters most. People were hating on Schobert early on in the year, saying that he wasn't performing to his expectations. I, for one, was not. I had my patience with this guy. I knew he'd come along. And he did in this one. Absolutely clutch. TJ Watt, if he wasn't there to hop on it, Obviously, it wouldn't have mattered. That's why he gets paid the big bucks. Not only on that fumble recovery, but was able to get to make get to Baker Mayfield multiple times in this game. Had consistent pressure on him. Was constantly up in his face. That's why he's the highest paid defensive player in the National Football League. It's the big moments like this where he delivers. The defense won us this game. But also, I cannot talk about this game without talking about the huge steps that our offensive line has taken in recent weeks. Yes, but especially in this game against Cleveland. Kendrick Green looked phenomenal. Trey Turner looked really good especially in that run game. Dan Moore shut Miles Garrett down. He did have one sack in this game, but that was all he had. I was really shocked. A rookie tackle. He did absolutely phenomenal. That O-line was pushing that Cleveland defensive line back. I believe Cleveland was ranked number two against the run before this game started against Cleveland. And Najee Harris and that Pittsburgh running game just absolutely outplayed them. Out, he outplayed Nick Chubb in this one. Outrushed him. It was a pretty sight to see. The Steelers O-line is finally looking like the traditional Steelers O-line that we are used to seeing from the good old days, from the prior years. Smash mouth football, mean streak, punch you in the mouth, not literally but figuratively, run it up their butts, make them feel us. That's what that Steelers O-line did today. 
a statement performance for those guys. Made it easier for Najee to run the ball. But all credit goes to Najee Harris as well. Absolutely great performance in this one. He had 26 carries on 91 rushing yards in the one leaping touchdown. Which was pretty incredible. Showed tremendous athleticism on that one. But also... To add on to that, he had three receptions for 29 yards on three targets. Fryermuth had four catches, 44 yards in that incredible touchdown catch. Deontay Johnson balled out in this one, six catches, 98 yards, but he had the game icing play on that final drive. The dagger. The 50-yard run up the sideline. Well, it was a passing catch, but it was just a beautiful play call. Tremendous job by Matt Canada there. I loved it. Ben hit him right in stride. Deontay Johnson turned on the Jets. Got all the way up inside the Browns' 30-yard line, and still managed to stay in bounds while running all the way up the sideline. It was pretty incredible. Tremendous job by Deontay there, and really smart for him to stay in bounds on that play and make the Browns use their second timeout. And that was game after that. Steelers iced it out. Huge clutch performances by obviously that defense with Boswell out early in the second half with a concussion. We had no backup kicker. We had to go for it. When we got to, when we scored, we had to go for two. We had some big fourth downs where we had no choice but to go for it, and we delivered. We delivered when we were in that red zone. It was nice to see the offense execute. If I do say so myself. They didn't play particularly great. But that offensive line controlled the line of scrimmage the whole game. We were able to manage the clock in a manner that we wanted. We had time of possession on our side. And we were able to run the ball as we pleased. And that's what was so satisfying for me personally and all of Steeler Nation watching this game was to see Najee get big chunks of yardage. I mean, there's nothing like seeing him get break off those four-yard, five-yard first down runs and shut Tony Romo up talking about we're not good on first down. Well, I'll tell you what, Tony, we were pretty darn good on first downs in this one. So you can take that comment and you can go on back home with it. But like I said, offense, unbelievable. 
after Boswell was ruled out for this game, I thought there's no way the Steelers win this. I mean, even when you get the lead, you can't really put, you can't really add on points in the way that we're used to seeing the Steelers add on points by just getting a couple field goals to add on to a touchdown and ice it. You can't kick extra points. I mean, Presley Harvin never even played kicker or done a PAT or a field goal attempt, even in college. Obviously, has it in the NFL. He's just a rookie. Uh, so we really didn't have an option. It was looking pretty ugly. Uh, he had to kick a kickoff. Ended up kicking it out of bounds. We had to, we had a penalty. The ball ended up at the forty from the illegal kick out of bounds. Uh, so we really didn't have a choice. The offense had to step up with Boswell out. We had to make some gutsy plays and execute. And we did that. Uh, ben had a really gutsy run on a two-point conversion that ultimately got called back on a BS holding, holding penalty that got called on Kendra Green, even though Ben had literally already scored by the time Kendra Green had supposedly held him. Uh, literally, the ball was long past the end zone. I mean, the announcers were even saying it themselves. They didn't understand it. I mean, even, you know, if he already scores or not there, the it was just really questionable. It was a really close call. And I'm, I'm just beyond shocked that that flag got called. So that saved the that saved the Browns two points. And we're able to keep them in the game. But it didn't matter. The defense stepped up. We were able to shut Baker Mayfield up. Shut Jarvis Landry up. Shut the non-existent Odell Beckham up. Mac Wilson and all those salty Browns fans. Yeah, Cleveland, I'm going to enjoy this one. Sue me. I had to hear it from you guys all off-season long and all this season long. You guys had plenty of laughs and took plenty of jabs when we were 1 and 3 to start this year. Well, look at us now. 3 straight Ws, 4 and 3. Who's at the bottom of the AFC North now? That'd be you guys, Cleveland Browns. You guys will always be our little brothers. We will always be big bro to you. Always remember that, Cleveland. And by the way, Big Ben, yeah, he still owns your franchise. Sorry to tell you guys, but it's the cold hard truth. Just can't say enough about this win all around. There were tremendous performances on both sides of the ball. Everybody on that O-line stepped up. Aside from Chooks, who had some dumb penalties, but other than that, he did pretty well. Held the Jadavion Clowney in place. He didn't do anything, really. Uh, Obviously, Kendra Green, like I said, Dan Moore, Trey Turner, all had big games. Deontay Johnson, great game. Najee Harris, great game. Pat Fryermuth, great game. Uh, But also, Minka made a really great play down the stretch on that final Cleveland drive. 
uh, had a great pass deflection, uh, which ended up being huge for us. And Joe Hayden had a great pass deflection, made a great play late in that game. All around, just a good team win. Uh, Nothing more that I can really say other than that. Just everyone came together and uh, stepped up. Once Boswell went out, everyone just trusted in each other. And they believed that they could win, and that's what they did. So... Really proud of the Steelers for this one. Can't say it enough. But anyways, in some other NFL news, the Cincinnati Bengals, who were recently, after last week, crowned the one seed of the AFC, lose to the New York Jets. And not just that, they lose to the New York Jets without Zach Wilson. Yes, you heard me right. Some guy named Mike White outplayed Joe Burrow and the Cincinnati Bengals in this one. Jets win 34-31. to Mike White throws for over 400 yards. Joe Mixon did absolutely nothing for Cincinnati in this game. On 14 carries, had only 33 yards. Wow. The Zach Wilsonless Jets. I mean, everybody was talking up Cincinnati. Because they beat it, they they beat a depleted Steelers team without any of our top three players on defense. I'm talking no Joe Hayden, no Devin Bush, no Alex Highsmith. Juju got hurt in the first quarter. We didn't have two of our starting O linemen. They beat a depleted Ravens team. Everybody was saying, "Oh, Bengals are they the best team in the AFC?" Because Joe Burrow had a couple of good games against defenses that were absolutely depleted and destroyed with injuries. He hasn't played a, a fully healthy, good defense yet. I was telling you guys a couple episodes ago, pump the brakes on the bungles. I'm telling you, it's smoke and mirrors. Whenever the Bungles don't have a completely terrible season, this is what they do. They look good early. In October, everyone in Cincinnati thinks they're about to do something. And then they fade away as the weather gets colder. I've seen this one time and time again. I grew up in Ohio. Trust me. I know how the Bengals roll. 
all those Bengals fans, after they beat Pittsburgh, after they beat Baltimore, were acting like they already won the AFC North or something. Well, I got news for you guys. Stay humble. You just lost to the worst team in the AFC. And that's without their number two overall pick and their starting quarterback. So, really no excuse. I mean, Joe Burrow, how are you going to get outplayed by a backup? I'm speechless. Not just a backup, a Jets backup. I mean, that's, that's, wow. That's awful. The Bengals were down a field goal late in the game. Uh, I should mention they had a chance to get the Jets off the field. There was a third and long play. Uh, White throws the ball, receiver catches it. Uh, About eight yards short of the line to gain. And then Mike Hilton, the former Steeler, tackles him. Um, Hits him with the crown of his helmet. It was helmet-to-helmet contact. And the refs are not letting anyone get away with that this year, it seems. The flag comes flying. Personal foul is a 15-yard penalty, and that was the game. That's got to be tough for Bengals fans. I don't feel sorry for them. Not one bit. That sucks, Mike Hilton. That really sucks. Maybe you should have stayed in Pittsburgh. Now you're going to have to deal with what's about to go down with this Cincinnati Bengals team. Just pump the brakes, Bengals, because... You're not going to go ahead and just take the AFC by storm all of a sudden because Burrow threw for 400 against a couple of really not good defenses. So just, like I said, relax. So in short, moral of the story is, Bengals fans, please stay humble. Browns fans, please stay humble. Because it's not your time to shine quite just yet. You still got a long way to go. It's a long season. You don't win divisions and get in the playoffs seven weeks into the season. It's not how it works. And it's an extended season this year. So that's really not how it works. Especially this year. Um, And some other NFL news. The... L.A. Chargers lost at home to the New England Patriots. Justin Herbert, two picks in this one, one of them being a pick six late in the game, which iced it for the Pats. Um, A lot of people might have thought Herbert might have a bit of a revenge game here. He lost to New England last year, thought it was going to be a different story here. Personally, I did too. Uh, But that Pats defense showed up to play. Got to give them a whole lot of credit. Mac Jones did his thing. 
wasn't like airing it out by any means, only 218 yards, but he played mistake-free football, no turnovers, ended up leading his team to the victory here. Chargers go to 4-3, and three. Pats get to 4-4, four and four. and the big one here is uh, Tom Brady and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers lose to, once again, another backup quarterback in Trevor Simeon. I got to be honest with you guys. I didn't even know who in the world Trevor Simeon was. I had to look him up. Backup. But he's really a third string for the New Orleans Saints. He's Jameis Winston's backup. Winston got hurt, sustained some kind of a leg or, or knee injury uh, early in this game. In the first, it might have been the first of the second quarter. Uh, couldn't walk on his own. I really hope he's okay. Um, sending him my best wishes. But Trevor Sibian came in there and he balled out and he outplayed a lot of you, you guys's. Uh, a lot of your idea of the goat, quote-unquote. He's not my goat, I can tell you what. Uh, a lot of people's goat wouldn't get outplayed by a third-string quarterback. But that's just me. Brady, two picks in the game. He had his opportunities to win this one late. He had his chances. Threw a late pick six, which iced the game for the Saints. Seems like the Saints just seem to have Brady's number. They beat they beat him last season. Not sure they might have beaten him twice last season. I might be wrong on that. I know they beat him at least once. But they beat him last season. In the regular season, that is. And, uh, you know, it's not a good look when you lose to some guy named Trevor Simeon. Um, That's all I really have to say about that. Just everyone uh, cool it on Tom Brady being the GOAT. Because there aren't a lot of GOATs that would have lost this game. And uh, that's all I really have to say there. Uh, Titans win on a game-winning field goal by Randy Bullock in overtime. They advanced to 6-2. and two. Colts fought hard in this one. Uh, Carson Wentz had some costly interceptions, a pair of them. Ended up being the game there. Uh, just had an absolutely disastrous pick six that just ended up costing them the game. But uh, Colts battled. Ended up not being enough. Pittman still had a great game. 10 catches, 86 yards, and two tutties. But A.J. Brown had an even bigger game. Also, 10 receptions. Had 155 yards and a touchdown. Henry, a bit of a pedestrian game for someone of his caliber. 28 carries on only 68 yards. 
but nonetheless, Tennessee able to come up on top in this one. Not a whole lot else going on that's surprising me here in these final scores. Uh, Bills beat the Dolphins. Niners over the Bears. Eagles destroyed the Lions. Texans destroyed the Tech. Or Rams destroyed the Texans. Seahawks destroyed the Jags. Broncos over the football team. Yeah. Not a whole lot going on. Right now, currently, the Vikings and Cowboys are tied up at 10. Dak Prescott was scratched from this one, is not playing. Dealing with an injury. Cooper Rush is in at quarterback. And uh, he's performing pretty well. So we'll have to wait and see on who's going to come out on top on this one. I'll have updates on this game in the next episode. But as far as the NFL goes, I think that's about all that I wanted to cover. Uh, Moving on to the World Series. Uh, Last that I had covered, I believe, there was a game two that was still in progress. Astros tied it up in that game two, won seven to two. Max Freed with the loss for the Braves. Um, Giving up six earned runs on five innings pitched, six strikeouts and a walk. Um, Altuve had a clutch home run in the bottom of the seventh inning that basically put the game away. And that was about all, all she wrote for that one. But the next day, the series goes back to Atlanta. And the Braves... Get a huge, huge win two to nothing. I apologize, it was actually three to two. I was looking at the game five final and game four. Braves end up on top three to two. Back-to-back home runs by Dansby Swanson and Jorge Soler. Late in the game in the seventh inning ended up being the difference in this one. Swanson Swanson with the game-tying home run, the Atlanta native. And then Soler following up with the go-ahead. Really great game. Well-pitched game by both teams. Will Smith getting the save. And that Atlanta bullpen just keeps living up to their nickname. Shut down. And that's what they've done in this World Series. Just absolutely come in. And each it seems like just each and every one of them has just done their job. And shut this Houston Astros lineup down. Bregman 0 for 5 in this one. Jordan Alvarez over three. 
and that's been the difference for Atlanta. Just being able to shut down the big the big bats in the Houston lineup. Game five is currently going on right now. It's all knotted up at five in the top of the fifth with two outs. It's been a crazy game so far. Duval had a grand slam in the first inning to put Atlanta up four to nothing. But since then the Astros have come storming back. Bregman had an RBI double. Finally doing something in this World Series after being completely shut down up to that point. But ends up delivering there, shortening the lead to three. Maldonado had a sack fly in the second, which shortened the lead to two. And then Correa, the other guy who's been pretty much shut down for Houston, had an RBI double of his own to cut the lead to one. In the third inning, Guriel had an RBI ground out later in the inning to tie the game at four. But then in the bottom half of the third inning, Freddie Freeman puts the Braves back on top five to four. And at the top of the fifth inning, the Braves walk with the bases loaded, so walk home a run for Houston to tie the game back up at five apiece. And just a second ago, Houston takes a seven to five lead on an RBI single to center by Gonzalez. So it's been a really excited, really exciting game here in this one. Have to give I'll have to give more updates on this one. Probably by the next episode I will have the results of this final. If Atlanta finds a way to come back here and win, they will win the title and send Houston home. If Houston is able to hold on to this, they will be able to take this World Series back to Houston for Game 6, trailing three games to two in the series. So, we'll just have to wait and see to figure out what happens here. But anyways, I think that is about all that I wanted to go over for this episode. Um, thank you guys for tuning in. This has been the Three Rivers Fancast with Anthony. I appreciate all the support. Appreciate those of you that have tuned in and listened so far. There's going to be big improvements, more editing, more material, more content to come as I go along with this podcast and start figuring some more things out. Thank you guys, and have a good one.